You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Happy Monday, everyone. How's everyone doing? I'm going to pause and allow you to answer. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. We have a couple of voicemails from our devoted listeners. So we're going to go ahead and dive into those. And then David and I are going to chat a little Game of Thrones. You are going to hear our predictions for the episode that was on last night. So you can all laugh at us for how wrong we were, or maybe say, wow, they uh, they kind of knew what they were talking about. So Without any further ado, David, why don't we go ahead and dive into voicemail numero uno. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris uh, at TB underscore bucks underscore for life. Just wanted to talk some uh, Gerald McCoy since no one's talking about it. Um, that was sarcasm, obviously. Anyways, the uh, from what from what my understanding is or you know, my theory is the Bucks are going to try to hold on to Gerald McCoy for as long as they can to try and see, like David said, you know, in case a week from now, you know, ex-player and ex-team gets hurt and now they need a, you know, a D-tackle and there's not many good ones on the market and there, you know, might be a team that's in the running for the, you know, Super Bowl and they go ahead and they make a trade with the Bucks out of desperation. Um, that's kind of what I'm getting. I think the Bucks are going to hold on to Gerald McCoy. I mean, possibly up until what September 3rd or September 5th when the Bucks have to do the, uh, have to make cuts for, th- for the 53 man roster. It could be a case. Or until, you know, like Bruce Arian said the other day, he wanted to, uh, you know, they're going to sign some players later on in the season. They're going to need that $13 million to do so. Uh, also, real quick, do you think Gerald McCoy not wanting to be here has something to do with him not being named captain last year? Have a great day. Go Bucks. All right, Chris, thank you for the phone call. David, you want to take this one first or you want me to go? Gerald McCoy. Yeah, um, everybody's talking about Gerald McCoy, obviously. However, Chris brought up something. And I know I kind of said along the lines of the same thing, actually, and it kind of made me think because the Buccaneers don't have until the regular season or until, you know, the end of the preseason. So they have to make their final cuts because I'm fairly certain. Now, I know that rookies can participate in minicamps and OTAs and all that stuff uh, without having their contracts signed, which is why Devin White is in OTAs and, and doing all the rookie stuff, even though he hasn't actually signed his contract yet. And credit to sports agent Nicole Lynn, who is Quinny Williams' uh, agent. She actually posted a Twitter video. I follow her on Twitter. She's, she's probably one of the most active agents on social media, at least I'm aware of. And she posted a video basically explaining the breakdown of how it works for a rookie who hasn't signed their contract yet. They actually do. I don't, I don't remember all the details, but there is some legal documents that they put together and everybody agrees to so that if a player were to get hurt, during OTAs or rookie mini camps without having a contract signed, they wouldn't be SOL, as they like to say. Um, Did, however, that, I'm sorry to jump in. Isn't that what happened no. with uh, Fowler in Jacksonville? I don't know. I know that he hurt himself on the very first day he ever practiced. I don't know if they had those documents in place with him or not, to be honest with you. But yeah, like he saw, he was practicing. I don't think he had signed his contract. I'm assuming he had that coverage. I, if, if his agent let him go into that practice without any type of coverage, then 
Uh, I'm sure that agent is no longer no longer employed. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but I'm fairly certain. Said I didn't mean to derail you. Oh no, you're good. <laughs> I'm just I'm fairly certain because because again, Chris was going along the same lines I did the last time we talked about Gerald McCoy and that the Buccaneers can hold him as long as they want, and they still can to a certain extent. But I think I don't imagine the NFL or agents or the NFLPA would be down with rookies stepping on the field of a preseason game um, or even maybe even practicing full contact uh, without a contract in place. I feel like you would have to have a contract in place either before full contact is allowed or at least before the first preseason game or the player wouldn't be allowed to play. So in that aspect, I mean, I suppose technically the Buccaneers could be like, okay, well, we'll just not play Devin White because, you know, and there's some smart angles that where they're not risking injury, but at the same time, if you're having a rookie linebacker come into quarterback your defense and it's an aggressive defense and it's a shifting defense you don't want him sitting on the sideline you want him getting reps in live action against an opponent even if it is preseason um so i don't imagine the buccaneers would want to go that route anyway so um without diving completely into the cba and everything else and and reading a bunch of stuff i'm probably not going to understand anyway uh i think our timeline is earlier than september i think it's early august at the latest however yeah, I mean, like Chris said, like uh, like I said earlier, like a, a lot of people have already said, the Buccaneers have no rush. There's there's zero. There is no time in space where Gerald McCoy's thirteen million dollars becomes guaranteed, and uh, the Buccaneers owe him that money until the regular season starts. And then, if they have a timeline that's earlier than that, it's because of uh, whatever stipulations are in place for rookies not without a contract. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we. Uh, we, we could have a, a good month, even month, month and a half, really, before we see a resolution of this, possibly. Uh, it could happen tomorrow. But, I mean, in real in reality, it, it definitely could drag on for quite a, quite a bit more. I do have another kind of take on that, James, but I want to let you get in at least on that part before I continue that. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, uh, it could drag on. I personally don't believe that it will. I think McCoy is going to somehow force their hand one way or another, because if he doesn't start showing up, he's going to start getting fined. When these OTAs become mandatory, he will be fined for not being there. So unless they have some sort of agreement worked out like, hey, you don't want to be here. We don't want you here. We're trying to work a trade. So go ahead and stay home and we won't fine you for missing the mandatory mini camps or the the mandatory OTAs. You know, but you know, we don't want to just let you walk right over to New Orleans and face us twice a year. We're trying to get something done. But I, I think the timetable isn't quite as long as as you're alluding to. Now, yes, it absolutely could be that long, but I don't think they're going to let it drag out too much longer, like I said, because once you start getting into the mandatory portions, you know, Gerald McCoy is not going to sit there and pay fines for not showing up to a facility that doesn't want him there. So that's that's kind of my take. Yeah, and that's actually kind of in line with what I was with the, the last part of what I want to talk about with Gerald is is yeah, he abs- I mean he absolutely would be, you know, that would be a situation where he would be excused. I mean, if if Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Jason Light, whoever doesn't want him there, they're not going to then force him, you know, that's that's just craziness. Uh that's where he would have a grievance through the NFLPA with the league and so on and so forth and that's just nasty. But yeah, no, I agree. And, and I kind of mentioned that before. I think their first mandatory mini camp is June 10th. I want to say off the top of my head, uh, it's somewhere around there. And yeah, I, I believe firmly that we will have a resolution before that date. 
Um, I, I, like I said, or obviously to us, the big surprise resolution would be that he shows up and actually starts working out. Um, because the second he starts working out, the Buccaneers are risking only him that money, whether he plays or not. And I don't think I don't think it's going to get to that. Excusing him from camp, like there, there, I could see when we haven't really had this conversation with anybody. I haven't seen anybody really talking about it yet. But excusing him from camp, some people would probably say the Bucks wouldn't do that just because you're lessening your trade value. And and my counter to that before they even say it would be everybody pretty much assumes that the Buccaneers are moving away from Gerald McCoy. So excusing him from the mandatory portion of camp without finding him uh, for not being there would not really be any type of new development. I don't think. I think. I mean, really, all your all that would do is essentially publicly acknowledge what people behind the doors already kind of know, and that is that he's not going to be playing in Tampa Bay. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that before that mandatory portion, something will happen. And but I think really the big driver to this is the Buccaneers don't want him signing with New Orleans, and so they're doing everything in their power to prevent that from happening. And I don't know what what negotiations are happening, but honestly, I mean, to me, it would be worth it to not have Gerald McCoy in the, in the division to call up Cleveland and be like, look, l- listen, give me, let's swap sevens and take Gerald. <laughs> yeah. like, if my choices are cut him or try to do anything to get rid of him, I would just, I'll just call Cleveland and be like, bro, let's just swap sevens. You take Gerald McCoy. I'll take the social media backlash and let's move the hell on. And I don't have to see him twice a year. And the Browns I'm sure would be happy to oblige. So again, I, I, I can't see a scenario, honestly, if unless there's zero, people uh talking to jason light about trading for gerald mccoy that the buccaneers cut him but i think they are they're kind of playing the what if game and kind of waiting to see if there's a, a defensive tackle starting defense tackle out there who unfortunately succumbs to injury and then all of a sudden that team uh is willing to spend some draft capital to to get a guy like like gerald yeah and, and as for the second part of the uh of the call i don't think him sitting out or wanting out has much to do with not being named captain last year. I'm sure that was a mm. shot to the ego, but this isn't something that has just all of a sudden popped up. I think this is kind of a a slow simmer that has turned into an overflowing boil. Uh, and it's it's you know, there's there's been a couple of things that I think over the past few months that have kind of been that last straw. And who knows? I mean, maybe maybe the last straw was the fact that he's busted his butt for this team since 2010 and they're asking him to take less money, you know, and, and he's just not going to do it. That, that could be, you know, what finally pushed him over the edge. But, you know, if, if he wasn't named captain last year and the bucks weren't in the cap situation they were in and he was going to make his full 13 million, I don't think we're discussing Gerald McCoy winning out of Tampa. So maybe the captainship, you know, played into it a little bit, but not much. You know, this this hasn't been really his team since 2015. So, yeah, I don't think the not being named a captain last year led to what's happening right now, but I do think that he was salty as hell about it. And I think that he's been salty about this not being his team since 2015. Um, now, again, I don't think that... It impacted the way he prepares. I don't think it impacted the way that he plays, but it may very well have impacted the way that he interacts with his teammates. And, and you look at the 2015 season as kind of the start of that, and then you go into the 2018 season, and suddenly now he's not being voted by his own teammates as a captain. And I think that's probably kind of the culmination of a two, two to three year. I don't want to call it spiral necessarily, but you know, just kind of a breakdown from Gerald McCoy as a leader in the franchise to Gerald McCoy 
as the old guy who the young guys no longer wish to follow because and and you know I've I've seen and heard people talk about how captain the captain patch and all that stuff doesn't really matter to these guys. Uh listen, I I mean out of the entire league, yes, there are going to be guys who don't care about it. But people care. Like people care about status, especially when you're you're in a competition in a competition based profession. Like when you're in a in a in a profession where your results are visibly and physically measurable, there's really not a whole lot of interpretation to it. Like uh, I mean, you, you you hear guys like if Ezekiel Elliott is Ezekiel Elliott, but the Denver or the, the Dallas offensive line stops opening holes from him. So he averages 2.2 yards per carry, scores six touchdowns and rushes for 850 yards in a season. The dude's not going to the Pro Bowl. Dude's not going to be an all pro. He still might be Ezekiel Elliott, but he's not going to get all those accolades. And that's going to hurt him. That's going to suck. So and Gerald McCoy, I feel like. He's a guy that cares. I think that not getting the captaincy hurt his feelings, hurt his ego, and just kind of furthered the decay. But where we're at now with the team and him, as far as the divorce or whatever you want to call it, I think it's more of a situation where this new head coach or this new coach staff came in, said, Gerald really doesn't fit what we're trying to do here. Probably told him as much. Like, hey, Gerald, we really don't see how you fit. And they either asked him to justify how he fits or they just straight up told him that he doesn't fit. So now it's kind of a... Oh well, I didn't want to be with you either, type of thing. So it's it's like you're being broken up with, and when in the breakup speech, you're cutting them off, saying, "Well, no, 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 I was gonna break up with you anyway." That's really kind of feel like how I feel like we've gotten here. But as far as the captaincy conversation goes, I think that's had a very real effect on him, and I think it's had a little bit of effect. It's it's not so much an effect of the locker room, but I think it's the result of the effect that him becoming less than the marquee player has had uh, on his psyche as as far as in that locker room. I know. Um, again, I'm not in the locker room, but just just kind of being in similar type situations where people have a status and then maybe they kind of fall for grace or there's like this new hot shot that comes in and kind of takes over that star a little bit and kind of take, take some of that shine away. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like when it, it's it's a hard thing when you when you've been the, the big man on campus for the majority of your life and then all of a sudden you see somebody else's picture getting plastered up on the side of the stadium and you see somebody else's picture getting thrown into uh, the website or onto the banners and and onto the bobblehead nights or whatever, you know, uh, it might seem a little trivial and, and don't be wrong. I'm sure there are people out in, in the NFL who wouldn't care. Uh, there are people in every business that don't care about those kinds of things, but I think Joe McCoy cares. I think that's something he'll never say he cared, but I think he cares. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and move on to voicemail number two. Hey James. Hey guys, it's Brian. Um, I have a question for you. It might be a two part question. Um, question is it with Joe with Gerald McCoy being a possible trade option, not wanting to be in Tampa, do you think the Bucks trade for the quarterback from Arizona, Patrick Peterson? And I know I just read on an article on NFL.com that said it was ended for six games because of PE or some player enhancement. But do you think that would be a possible trade that the Cardinals might say, hey, you know, our guy is out for six weeks, but we're getting defensive player from Tampa Bay pretty good start. And or do you think and this would part two comes in that the Bucks trade him trade Jerry McCoy off to someone like the Browns for Duke John or any other team. Right, tell me what you guys think and I'd love to hear from you later. All right. Thank you very much for the phone call. And yeah, like like we just kind of mentioned, you know, shipping Gerald McCoy out of town on your own terms is definitely the better option. And I think that's what they're ultimately trying to do so that he doesn't end up in New Orleans. Now, if the Buccaneers wanted to trade Gerald McCoy, 
as part of a deal in order to get Patrick Peterson back. I mean, if you're going to do that deal, even with the six-game PED suspension, you are talking about Gerald McCoy and at least one draft pick in order to get Patrick Peterson. I would still do this in a heartbeat because you're saving on the $13 million. Patrick Peterson's guaranteed money is now going to be prorated for the amount of games that he plays rather than the full amount. So you're, <clears throat> you're still saving money in that aspect. You're bringing in a all-pro, perennial Pro Bowl corner that has played for bowls before, that has played for Arians, and would undoubtedly become one of the leaders of this team. I get it. The suspension is kind of a black eye on his career. But Patrick Peterson has, you know, he shouldered the blame. He's apologized. He's, he's, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? He is, you know, made amends, made amends. He's, he's taken it like a man. He's not going to back down. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He flat out just apologized and is going to move on. That this suspension does not change who Patrick Peterson has been for years. Yeah, he's on the back end of his career, but I mean, who's who's David? Who's the leader in this secondary? Who, Mister? Can't um, get his mind right. Vernon Hargraves. It is non-existent. If you're looking to Carlton Davis, Carlton Davis, or if you're looking to. You know, Murphy it's Bunting, Sean Murphy Bunting, or Dean or Edwards. If you're looking at one of these guys to be your leader, you're in some crap because these second and, and first year guys are not going to bring the leadership that Patrick Peterson does. So I would make that trade in an absolute heartbeat. I would send Gerald McCoy and a third for Patrick Peterson right now. Mm. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? Uh, first thing, you have to be hired as the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, where do I sign? <laughs> I'll get I'll get fired from that job. All right. So, I bet you I'd be a better GM than Adam Gase. <laughs> if okay, all right. Yes, I would trade Gerald McCoy for Patrick Peterson. I don't believe the Cardinals would trade Patrick Peterson for Gerald McCoy. Um, I think you're talking a very serious gouging of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jason Light. And make no mistake about it, some of it would also be payback for the Buccaneers hiring Bruce Arians. That being said, I would not trade for Patrick Peterson unless we can make it happen before this next round of OTAs and he agreed to show up because he's not working out. Uh, as far as I know, anyway, I don't, I don't follow the Cardinals too closely, but I don't believe he's showing up for OTAs right now, which is fine for a guy of his stature, his talents, his his tenure in the league. Like he's got it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the reason why: if if we get into this next batch of OTAs, and if we get into the mandatory minicamp, and as, especially once, I mean, I guess like the hard deadline would be training camp. Like he's got to be in training camp. If he's not in training camp, you have a very potentially volatile situation on your hands as a team if you make a trade for him either during camp or in season. And that situation is this. Either this secondary is going to do incredibly, terribly horrible and 
by the time you get Patrick Peterson back, like he may bring, I don't know, he, he, I don't even think he'll put fans in the stands, to be honest with you, at that point, if the season kind of looks lost by the time he comes off his suspension. Um, but now you've got a veteran guy who's coming in. He's already shown, like, he's, he's already been frustrated with the Cardinals for kind of the, the way that they fell off from their Super Bowl track, you know, during the earlier part of his career. So is he really going to want to come off this suspension and play for a team that's essentially floundering and being, you know, the only quote unquote solid piece of that secondary? I don't know how mo- how motivated he is, even for a guy like Bruce Aarons, even for Todd Bowles. Um, so now you're talking about a situation like that. And honestly, you're giving up draft capital for what? Like for him to come in and, and make this a little bit better of a secondary? So there there's, there's one possible outcome. Or you're bringing him into a really good secondary that has definitely showed up more than anybody expected, and now you have a team that's in the hunt, and you're inserting this very – powerful very influential personality and talent into your secondary and while that sounds amazing it could also be very destructive because six weeks into this thing especially after camps preseasons and then six weeks on the road together and and playing together and and all this other stuff there's going to be a leader in that in that room now it's not going to be a veteran leader it's not going to be a pro bowl all pro future hall of famer leader got it but there's going to be a leader. There's going to be someone who has kind of become the guy they all circle around. And when Patrick Peterson comes in there week seven or week eight and comes in and says, all right, dude, thanks for holding my spot. Now it's me. That's, I don't know if that's going to go over very well. You're talking about a lot of, a lot of young guys and I'm not trying to discredit anybody, but you know, you, when, when you have a group like that, who really is, trust me, they know that they're not expected to do a whole lot. They know there's a lot of questions about whether or not this team can actually put this together. They understand what what kind of a task they have ahead of them. If Patrick Peterson comes into like a four and two team with a secondary that is has impressed everybody and, and outperformed, yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a good thing. Um, from many many different levels, uh, chemistry being one of them, communication being another, so on and so forth. Um, and that's why I say like if if you don't do it before at least camp, I would say before these OTAs, then I don't think it's smart to do at all especially once the season like you can't do it in season because he's going to go none of this install now if he gets in the otas he gets in a training camp then he could potentially become that leader that they all rally around so now when the season starts it's not patrick peterson who's eventually going to come in and just boom all of a sudden now there's a star in the room it's patrick peterson who's already been the star in the room already been a leader in the group saying guys i know you can do this we've talked we've studied you know what I mean? Like you can text me within the limits of my suspension and stuff like that. I got your back type of stuff. I'll be watching, you know, da, 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 da. And when he returns, it's the return of the leader versus the in, insertion of the leader, so to speak. And again, that's just kind of my take on it. So it's not like if you're just talking Patrick Peterson, the player, do I want him in Tampa Bay, even if it's after a six week suspension? Yes, but it's not that simple. And for those other reasons, that's why. For me, there's a clock on this. Whether it involves Gerald McCoy or just draft picks or you know whatever, there's a clock on this, and it's pretty soon. Gerald McCoy and two firsts. Gerald McCoy and two firsts for Patrick Peterson? <laughs> oh, no, I, that I would not do. Um, Gerald <laughs> McCoy and a third? A thousand percent kidding. Yeah, I know. I know you people were. People freak um, out on me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean Gerald McCoy in a third. Uh, I mean, Gerald McCoy, Vernon Hargraves in the third. I mean, Vernon Hargraves' money is already, it's all guaranteed. Like, it's its its being paid no matter what. But, I mean, you know, is is it worth? I, I, and, again, Evan Evan Winter, uh, you know, our coworker there over at Bucks Nation, wrote up a good thing about 
the whole salary cap thing and how that's going to work out with the games he's missing and all that. Um, I don't know all of that off the top of my head. So, of course, you have the financial side of everything. You want to make that work. You know, uh, guys like Will Golson obviously still come to mind. I think Cam Brate, like until the season actually starts and uh, until the, the until salary cap is solidified and all these players are under contract, I don't think Cam Brate's name is going to stop being brought up in the, you know, uh, conversation. I know some of his money is already guaranteed. I don't think all of it's guaranteed yet. I could be wrong on that, though, too. All right. Well, David, we have just a few minutes left, and I know you wanted to dive into some Game of Thrones, uh, some Game of Thrones chatter. So, so what's what's on your mind regarding the series finale that we are about to witness here in about an hour? Yeah, I mean it's it's been on for a while. It's a, it's a pop culture, you know, phenomenon. Like, I mean, even people who don't watch it know what it is. So that's kind of the the key takeaway is you know you're famous, or <clears throat> excuse me, you know you made it when. People who don't even pay attention to what you're doing know who you are. Um, my daughter mentioned, this is a side story, whatever, but my daughter this weekend mentioned a rapper and she kind of scoffed when we didn't know who it was. And she's like, oh, he's he's really famous. And both of us are like, oh, he's not that famous because we don't know who he is. And I listen to rap. <laughs> so I listen to that style of music. And if, uh, if I don't know who you are, then I don't know if I consider you famous. Um, more famous than I am, I'm sure. Whatever. Fine. Anyway, so. Game of Thrones, is it's been significant. I know it's not Bucks related. And I know guys like Chef Aaron don't care about Game of Thrones, so he's probably already turned off the episode, but it's still significant to the world. And I just like throwing our, our predictions out there because then when something goes down, neither of us can sit back and be like, yeah, I saw that coming because we're going to tell you what we see coming. And we may be wrong. Like my prediction on Mother's Day that two mothers would die and only one did. I could have played it safe and said only one mother was going to die. And but I didn't. I went for it and I was wrong and nobody made fun of me for it, which is fine, which is good. Actually, I can't even remember what my Mother's Day prediction was. Didn't I say something to the effect? You of, said Cersei was going to die. Yeah. Did I? Well, and I, I said something you about said Daenerys, something else, but I can't remember what it was. Did I, I think you just said she was going to she was going to flip. You said uh, Danny was going to flip and that uh, Cersei was going to die. So you were you were correct, I think, in your, your two for two. So. We, we were pretty good on our Mother's Day predictions. So And, and we kind of discussed this a little bit with Carmen. But, David, what are, what are your big predictions for tonight? Give me two. Let's do two again. I like the, the Drogon theory. Am I saying that right? I actually don't really know the dragon's names, but yeah, they've it, become it, so popular. It is Drogon. He was named after Cal Drogo okay. uh, in honor of, obviously, Daenerys' first husband. Right. Drogon is and J- i know jc has been tweeting about this this isn't unique necessarily but i really i i like this idea drogon is going to like he recognizes that john is the true heir that like the i don't know dragon father whatever you want to call him and i really do i feel like at some point in time daenerys is going to try to get drogon to dracarys all over john snow and basically the dragon is going to be like no nah, i'm good and then she's going to get really mad. And then Jon Snow is going to give the command and Drogon's going to torch Danny. I really, that's my first prediction. Oof. That's that would be legendary. I, I am firmly in the camp that there is no chance that happens, bro. There's definitely a chance it's going to happen. Drogon is not going to light his own mother on fire. It's about to go down. That's, that's now I could see her giving the command and him not listening to torch John. I'm going for both of them. I don't just like Mother's Day. I'm not taking half is, the win. 
All right. All I'm right. Calling so my shot. Babe Ruth beating the Red Sox. It's it's on. Why why you gotta bring that up? <laughs> I honestly don't even know if he, he pointed to the field against the Red Sox. I just kind yeah, of I don't think it was, yeah, but anyway. All right, so that's your first prediction. My yeah. my first prediction is the first major character that we will see die will be Tyrion. Ooh. Ooh, that'll hurt. Got a little dusty in here. Bruh, I will be so sad when Tyrion dies, but I don't see how he makes it out of this. Not after basically, and I mean, Daenerys said it so much as much in the penultimate episode. She says, the next time you fail me will be the last time the you last fail time. me. Like he's, yep. he's toast, bro. Yep. 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 All right. So what is prediction number two? Prediction number two kind of goes into my prediction number one. And that is that Arya is going to be slain just as she's hitting what would become a death throw or a death blow, sorry, to Daenerys. Don't so basically imagine this, right? Arya is going to try to kill Danny and some I don't know what, but something is going to happen to where Arya gets to her, hits her, stabs her, cuts her somehow, some way. Basically it's like Danny's gonna die from this. Cause you know, because that fulfills the prophecy, right? She's gonna kill, you know, brown eyed, blue eyes, green eyes, right? But Danny or maybe Drogon or I don't know, somebody will get Arya in the process. And if you think back to the the lineage of the show, right, and that's not the right word, but anyway, the 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 motto or the saying, right? The green they give all men must die. That's what it means. I can't remember oh, what it is. Uh Velor Mag- uh, Mag- Margolis. Yeah, something like that. I can't say yeah. it anyway, but uh, yeah, all I men can't. must die, right? Yes. Since the beginning of the show, she's always fought. I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady. She's always kind of taking this, you know. Old school, call it tomboy, you know, new school, call it modern, strong woman, whatever, however you want to spin it. She's basically taking on a more masculine role than this time period would allow for a female to take. So she so I mean, going with that theme, she's got to die. Right. So I think that's kind of how that works. And then basically what happens is Danny's bleeding out. Arya's bleeding out. John's like, you just killed my sister. And she's like, she's not your sister because you're this and that and that. And that there's that sets up your final confrontation between Jon Snow and Danny. And as Danny is dying and realizing that Jon Snow is not going to bend to her will anymore, that's where she orders the dragon to burn him. It doesn't happen. And he says, no, you killed my sister. Now you die. My name is Jon Snow. You killed my sister. Prepare to die. Wow. Boom. Right. I just wrote well, the series finale right there. It's happening. My second prediction is not going to come true. Completely cancels out yours. <laughs> Arya's going nowhere. Arya will use a face. Now, I don't know which one. Because remember, anytime she uses a face, that that person is dead. Yeah. So she has to use a face of somebody close to Danny, who Danny may not know if he or she is actually dead. Johnson. But Arya will use a face to get close enough to Daenerys to kill her. Yeah. When all is said and done, Arya will be, I, I don't know the, the rankings, but she will be the top dog of the, um, the Kingsguard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she doesn't want to be the, the queen. And right. she's, Sansa she's will probably be the queen. but She's not going to be a queen. She's not going to be a lady. She will be the head of the Kingsguard. She will, she will be the Jamie Lannister of whatever this next 
Rain is, and I don't mean that in the terms of she will be a King Slayer or Queen Slayer. That, but she's going to be in charge of the King's Guard. Well, she'd be a Queen Slayer in that case. Yeah, man. I mean, I'd be happy with that. Name. I, I, I love Arya. I, what I do we say? What do we say to the God of Death? Uh, come back tomorrow for more Locked On Bucks. Not today. All right. Last one, David. Who's on the Iron Throne? All said and done tonight. Oh, geez, I have to untangle Sansa. You're going Sansa? Okay. I I also am going Sansa with Arya as um, as the head of the Queen's Guard. And then Sir Davos, Hand of the Queen. That will do it for this episode. Please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. And real quick, a shout out to Hotels.com. Yeah, they were a, a new sponsor, a new partner of the show beginning today. So don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Hope you all have a safe, wonderful, enjoyable Monday, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Welcome to me.